It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there, but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? Fortune Cribs can help. Fortune Cribs helps investors buy short-term rentals in select markets around the country for as little as 10% down with cash-on-cash returns in the 20 to 30% range. Fortune Cribs will design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day operations, making your experience truly hands-off. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your real estate investing journey, whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your portfolio, Fortune Cribs can help. So if you want to take the next step, go to fortunecribs.com and book your free consultation to see how Fortune Cribs can best help you. Once again, that's fortunecribs.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Flint Jameson. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Flint, he spent 20 years in aerospace as an engineer and program manager and is now finding a path to early retirement through commercial real estate investments. Flint started his real estate endeavor with a duplex that he rehabbed in 2018. From there, he quickly pivoted to multifamily syndications and has scaled his portfolio to around 1,500 units. Flint, my man, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Dude, I love it. I love the energy. Glad to be here. <laughs> Always got to have that energy, man. You know, and you know, two locals, you know, we're right down the street from each other. So, uh, yeah, you know, Colorado, we're definitely, yeah, def- definitely going to have to meet up sometime, maybe grab a, a coffee or drink or something. But anyways, man, we want to dive into this. We know you got a great story. Uh, so let's just start it off there, man. Tell us more about your background, your story and the path you took to get to where you are today in your real estate investing career. Yep. Engineer, aerospace, that whole bit, you already said it, uh, but really, I'm getting tired of the rat race, working super long hours. Aerospace is hard. I mean, most people should already know that, right? Building airplanes is hard. We put in a ton of hours, and I I just don't want to do that forever. I love airplanes. I want to continue loving airplanes, but I don't need to (laughs) be living and breathing it for my, my entire life. So. Jumped into real estate. I burned a property uh, in Milwaukee. It was actually remote in 2018. I sold that in April, which that was a big win. Nice. Um, the the whole Burr strategy didn't totally uh, succeed, but it was cool. I mean, in the end, I still got a lot of money out of it. But uh, and then I instantly pivoted into syndications, mostly because running a single family property or doing the burst strategy takes a lot of capital and a lot of energy and effort. And I needed to find something that actually provided more income than what that single family property could provide. So uh, I came across syndications and I was hooked from there. It, it's one of those things. As soon as you find syndications, uh, for me, I went down that rabbit hole very quickly, right? It's like, let me consume as much information on this as I possibly can, because it's like, why didn't I find out about this before? Yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I think we've kind of had both a, a similar um, road there. But uh, what? so I want to back up. I want to talk about one thing real quick. So uh, I think this is important too. So you know, it's one thing to invest long distance as a passive investor, right? Because that's just kind of the name yeah. of the game. A passive investor, yeah. I'm going to invest long distance because somebody else is going to do this somewhere in a great market, right? But it's a totally different thing to invest long distance as an active investor, especially for your first property, which is what yeah. you did, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so 
you know, I know the first rentals that I bought were probably 20, 30 minutes away from my house, right? I mean, they were just down the road. Uh, we just, we self-managed all that kind of stuff. So I, I got to ask, man, why go out of state for that first property? And then did you have any concerns yeah. going out of, you know, doing a long distance investment? Yeah. So one, going out of state allowed me to buy a duplex for 80K cash. <laughs> so <laughs> there you Milwaukee's go. a lot cheaper than Denver. Yeah. Um, I found this guy who who kind of created this this company built around the Burr strategy. He was he was a realtor slash wholesaler slash um, had a, a GC general contractor in house. So he created this company that could be a one stop shop. And what they did is they offered up this, hey, here's here's a slew of properties you can come by. You have to buy with cash because they are they are heavily. Uh, beaten up, I, sh- I guess mm. you should say, right? Th- th- when I got this place and I walked through it, I actually bought it sight unseen. I, I had pictures and I had some videos, but the second I walked in, I was like, oh God, what did I just do? <laughs> uh, why did I buy this? Anyway, uh, yeah, so I didn't have to build my own network of people. I didn't have to find a realtor, find the GC, find the right, et cetera, et cetera. It was like this one-stop shop. I invested, they did the work, like all rehabs it took extra time and money it hurt a lot i was on actually hard money for the 80k oh wow uh and that was like 12 percent interest interest yep. only payments and then uh yeah i finally turned around so six months later finally got tenants in it and it was cash flowing very well considering and uh yeah. So that was the end of that strategy. <laughs> but, <laughs> Moved on. Well, the thing is, I think it's important, right? Because you found basically what you didn't want to do, right? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah it, it, it might have been the hard way, but at the same time, now you know that's not a strategy you want to pursue. And so you moved on to something yes. and, it, and it sounds like maybe you found what that is currently, right? And some and syndications yeah. and stuff like that. So and you know, yeah, you're right. It wasn't all bad. Yes. You always got to fall forward, right? That that was painful. It took a lot of money, but you don't stop. And in the end, I sold it and made it was like on average thirty five percent average annual returns with it. I bought it for eighty k, sold it for one hundred and seventy three years later. Wow! So and then the cash flow in between was strong. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that sounds like a solid deal, man. I mean, you know, for people they're going to buy a small multi, like that's a solid deal straight away. Yeah. I mean, it might not have turned out all great, you know, everything you were looking for, but hey, you got you got nice returns, and so. Take you know, that that's as, the key. Take that as a win, right? Yeah. Welcome to real estate. Nothing ever happens. It's it's <laughs> it's if it or it's it's when it happens, not if it happens. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. I, I actually love that. And now that's awesome, man. So 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 let's take that. Let's move forward a little bit. Somewhere along the path, there you discovered real estate syndications, right? And you decided to go after that. You're like, listen, this small multi thing, not really for me. I want to I want to scale up. I want to go to um, you know real estate syndications because I get. I mean, just like we said yeah. earlier, this it's very attractive, right? Very very attractive. Yes. Yes. So. Did you start at as you start out as an LP when you got into syndications, or did you yeah. go straight into the active side? No. Um, while I was educating myself on the active side, I, I I found some people to invest in, and I actually rolled over my four hundred one k from my old job, turned it into a solo four hundred one k, and invested some big chunks of money into some other deals, so I could experience the LP side. Sure. And then uh, from there. Yeah, you got to find a network, right? You got a network to find partners because this is the best part. Syndicating is a team sport. I mean, you just it's, you you find people that are good at things that you're not good at, and you don't have to do those things anymore. And for 
for you and I, we still have day jobs. Mm-hmm. There's people on the acquisition side, they fly around the country and meet with brokers, right? They're constantly doing lunch and coffee with brokers. And I don't have that type of free time. <laughs> I can raise capital from my desk at home. Sure. You can do some asset management remotely, but yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic way to get into it. And you know, starting as an LP, so so let me back up even just a little bit further. So when you found out syndications, or when you found out more about them, you're kind of diving into it, and then you start making these passive investments. Did you know before that that you wanted to be on the active side, or was there like a thing like, hey, maybe I can just invest passively? Good to go. Um, no, I, I kind of knew that the the fastest path using the Michael Blanc quote, the the fastest path to financial freedom is being an active investor, essentially. Mm-hmm. The most efficient path to financial freedom is the active side. Because not only do we get to invest in essentially when we invest in our own deals, that money is essentially like the passive side. But as as we put in sweat equity, we get acquisition fees. That's what makes the deal so great as a GP. Absolutely, man. There's there's a lot of upside to it, especially depending on, you know, you only have so many resources, right? Money, time, experience. So which one of those do you have and which one of them don't you have, right? So you got to be yep. able to take that and run with it, right? And for us, we're busy professionals. We got W-2 jobs. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot going on. So we got to use what we have and push on our strengths, right? So uh, um, I love to hear that for sure. Um, okay, so I want to talk about kind of your experience being a passive investor. So you're on the active side now. Uh, do you think you've been able to apply some of the things you learned from being an LP into your active side, maybe maybe good stuff and maybe bad stuff as well as you've seen some like other sponsors. Yeah, um, I think how the the good sponsors communicate with investors helps me be a better communicator with my investors. Oh yeah. Um, I I've seen some things that I I didn't like just out of the communications, and other things I really did like. Even just in the beginning, like the the pitch deck. Here here's our offering. Come check this out. Um, some of them, I mean, classically, even people are still doing like this hour long, hour 15 pitch. And it's like, geez. So our last, our last one, the fun to fun, we, I whittled it down to 16 minutes. I love it. And people digest that so much easier. And if they need to know more, they can get on a call with us. We can jam or they, the numbers are in the, uh, on a full, right. Like 115 page if you're doing a fund of fund of three properties, there's a lot of information there. We turn that into a 16 minute pitch, but there's 115 slides on a slide deck. They all the information's there as they need it. Man, I got to be honest with you. I think that uh, you know communication is probably one of the biggest things in this game, right? Pretty much anywhere, but really as a passive investor, uh, just like you said, there's been times where I haven't invested with a sponsor just based off strictly off communication. Let me let me see your previous communications. You know, I see I asked for all that kind of stuff, and it's like this isn't, I don't, this is not what I'm looking for. Something's amiss, right? And I'm like, nah, I'm going to move yeah. on. And it, it might seem very minor, but to me, it's a big deal, right? So I think communication yeah. is huge. And if you've been able to take some of the things that you've learned from your LP investments and move them into your fund of funds, uh, when you're, you know, raising capital and offering these deals, I think that's, that's massive, right? That's a huge win yeah. for you, for you and your investors. Right. And yeah. so I think, I think that's, that's, um, that's pretty fantastic. Okay, so you're on the active side. You got a you got a deal under your belt. All of that stuff is awesome, right? But I want to back up. You mentioned something about partners, right? And you said yeah. you know it's a it's a team sport, and how important it is to have uh, the right partners because it absolutely is 
it's so critical to have not just partners, but the right partners, right? You want to have, yes. you want to be partnering with the right people. And so what's the story on how you found your partners and basically, you know, how you landed that? Because I think, I think a lot of people who are getting to this, like, that's one of the big hangups, you know, finding, yes. the, finding the people, finding the right people, and then actually being able to partner with them, right? So obviously you've done this yeah. successfully. So I'd love to hear about your experience. Yeah. At this point, um, I've been networking so much over the last year that I have a slew of partners. Now as a capital raiser, right? Now I find quality partners to bring my investors deal. And I'm essentially vetting operators for my investors. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have happened serendipitously. To be honest, you just have to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to get on the phone and talk to people when opportunities present themselves. Uh, my first partners, I, it was a random call one night at like 1030 at night. And uh, we we talked for an hour. And then uh, it, it was probably nine months later when we ran into each other in person at a conference. And then things things happened from there. And then they invited me onto a deal. Within that time, I had seen them do deal after deal after deal, sell deals. I was seeing their communication because I became, I was part of the network. So I understood how they operated and I gained a lot of confidence that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think the number one thing to do is just go to in-person conferences now that we mm-hmm. can do that, right? Uh, that I think is is the most effective way to get to know people. And you don't know what partnerships are going to develop out of that, but you need to go talk to a whole bunch of people. And when you're one-on-one with people, you'll start to click and you'll start to figure out who you like and what their skill sets are. Absolutely. And I love to hear that. There's one thing that I want to bring up with that too. And I just want to ask you because I'm personally very curious. So, you know, you hear a lot about when you when you're looking for partners, uh, the biggest thing or anybody really is you want to provide value to them, right? Like, what is yeah. that? You know, you want to provide value. So it, in your experience, I know for me, let me just back up. I know for me personally, when I was going to my first networking events, I I didn't have, I had not, I feel like I had no value to bring, you know, that's just kind of how I felt, right? I was like, I don't, I don't have any value. I'm just here to shake hands and meet people. Right. And that's pretty much how it was at the beginning. So how did you, how did you, did you know when you were going to these events, like what value you had, or was it kind of one of those things you just built over time as you were going to networking events? Um, I knew I could bring some sort of value with my engineering background. Now program manager, I've got a lot of management experience, a lot of financial experience, and then just from life experience, I can build things, right? So I, I can fit in multiple areas. Uh, my first property, it was it was me and four, three other guys that um, we were all very newbie. Um, but, it, but I felt like I was the one with the least amount of experience. There was one guy who was actually a commercial broker. There was one guy who uh, worked in that brokerage as an asset manager professionally. Nice. And another guy who was a, an accountant just as a first day job. And I'm like, whoa, I was the boots on the ground guy. Okay. So it was here in Aurora, but um, that deal ended up failing. Uh, I got so much experience out of it because I was the boots on the ground guy. I was the one talking to the inspectors running around and on a hundred degree day, uh, talking to all the GCs, getting quotes, all of that. That gained a huge amount of traction. We failed. I lost money on it. Cool. Move on. And then I jumped into the next one, but that failure gave me so much track record that I became uh, helpful for other groups and partners. 
And that, and really that's all it took, right? Is you taking action, getting out there, yeah. doing it. Yeah. It might not have gone, you know, stellar, but at the same time you learned a lot, you got some, you got some experience on your belt and then you're off to the next thing. Right. And so yeah. was that, was that your, was it the next thing, your first indication? Is that what you got into? Yep. Then the, the next one was a, a, a syndication and I was actually just a, a capital raiser. And then once we closed on the deal, I became an asset manager and I was, I was helping remotely trying to find GCs and get quotes and stuff. So that, that deal is actually screaming hot right now. So it's good. That's awesome, man. Actually, if, if we can, I would like to dive into that just a little bit, because I know a lot yeah. of people who are getting into the active side, maybe their first syndication, maybe their fund of funds, raising capital, maybe they're getting to asset management, whatever it may be. That first deal, you can kind of get hit in the face a little bit because you don't have a lot of experience with it, right? There might be some things that kind of hit you in the face, say, hey, I didn't exactly know how to do this. Maybe it's marketing, maybe it's sending emails, something, you know, whatever, um, something in the process. Yeah. You know, so during that first that first syndication you did, the, did you learn? the first successful one or the yeah 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 the successful one. <laughs> what did you what did you learn in that process that you've been able to take from that and really just build on to your to your to your future deals? To be honest, actually, the first failure majority of the reason we failed was because I we didn't raise capital. Mm-hmm. We couldn't raise capital close on the deal, so we had to close the deal. No investors were harmed in the deal. But from there, I immediately turned around and got myself some mentorship, figured out how to market myself, built a website, got a database going, right? And that enabled me to gain more street cred in order to get invited on that next opportunity where they said, hey, we're going to bring on some some capital raiders because we need help to take down this bigger property. And so they invited me on because I had talked to them for a year, right? That was it. From there, it was a 506B, no advertising, just just work the internal network that I had. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So so during that process, you know, you're you're trying to you're helping investors invest in these deals, right? You're raising capital. Yeah. What did you learn about the raising capital process during that first one? Well, there's a lot. Uh, did you take a lot yeah, away the, from that first, the first raise? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, technically my second raise, right? It's still hard. I mean, if you are an aspiring syndicator and you think that you can go raise two million dollars, you are going to be humble because <laughs> that first raise, <laughs> and it is not if you build it, they will come. That was the failure on the first one. We thought that if we had a screaming deal, people would want to be throwing their money at us. Turns out it wasn't. You have to work those relationships for a while before before you get people to convert, even your friends and family. Because most people don't even know what a syndication is. Most people don't understand the business strategy of the value-add property. What are the returns? What does this even mean? Um, and 15 to 20% returns, I don't believe you, right? What are the fees? How, why are you paying yourself? You get all these questions. <laughs> and so people, there's something like six touch points you need to have with every investor for them to all of a sudden have the click in their head that, Oh yeah, this isn't a scam. Cool. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. It's got good returns. Maybe I'll try it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think one of the biggest things that I found as well is is just having people give you their attention, right? I mean, because you start because yeah. as people like us, we get so excited talking about the stuff, and oh, it's yeah. just like it's just like we just rattling stuff off. Well, you can't do that with somebody who has no idea what you're talking yes. about, right? You got to be able to get their attention, and then you have to hold their attention for at least. I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute to, yeah. to even have, a, you know, begin a conversation. So I think it's it's super important and being able to, like you said, educate those investors. It's not easy. And raising capital we, is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. We are educators. Classically, you and I, engineers, we aren't sales guys. We aren't marketers. We're, nope. we're learning how to do it ourselves until we decide to pay someone to do it for us. But in the end, I think we can be successful because 
we know how to educate and that's it. That's all people need is to be educated. They don't need to be sold to. They just need to be educated. You're absolutely right. And you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, being an engineer is when I first got into this, you know, because I was doing the single family thing and I was like, engineer, I was just doing everything because I was like, oh, I, I'm going to do it. I'm, oh, gonna yeah, yeah. I'm an engineer. Yeah. I'm an engineer. <laughs> and so when I got into syndication, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm kind of, you know, tying one hand behind my back being an engineer because now I just want to know it all, you know, know everything, the ins and outs and do everything. Right. Well, that's not like you said, this is a team sport. You're not going to yeah. be doing oh, yeah. everything yourself. So, but you're absolutely right. I, I haven't really considered the way you brought it up. Like, we are educators and we know how, you know, processes and all that kind of stuff. So that makes a lot of sense. And and as we were talking before the show, there are actually a lot of engineers in the syndication space, way yes. more than I ever would have guessed. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very interesting. All right. So you, so you've done this syndications and um, there's multifamily, you know, large apartment units, stuff like that. But as we were talking about with the show, before the show, you're going to pivot a little bit now. And so you're looking more into uh, build for rent. Is that correct? Build to rent. Yes. So that is, think of it as horizontal multifamily. It's, it has the same philosophy as a class A apartment complex with all the amenities, but rather than people living in apartments, it's single family homes and they are like starter size homes They're 14, 1500 square foot homes. Um, and it is managed with property manager and on-site maintenance, all of that pool, everything. Uh, but it is this bridge from people who want to start a family, want need to get out of an apartment, want to get out of an apartment. They want a front lawn. They want a garage. They want a backyard, but they can't afford a house. I mean, right now, that to buy a house is super hard. It's crazy. And the the affordability gap between buying a house and rent is is pretty wide. I don't have the number off the top of my head. So it still behooves people to to still rent. Uh, and they don't have to worry about maintenance and land care and all that. So it's it's such a great thing for not only young families, but now we're also seeing trends of demographics of older generation people saying, ah, I am tired. I, I need to downsize and I don't need to take care. I don't want to take care of my own maintenance. Let's let's go do this. So lots of demand. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of demand for this product. And it's a, it's a very interesting niche. And, you know, with that in mind, man, uh, we're kind of running low on time here. So we're going to have to bring you back on the show so we can dive on to yeah, dive absolutely. into to build a rent because uh, we haven't spoken about that much on the show. So I'd love to bring you back on maybe here in a month or something like that. Talk about absolutely. that. And just, just dive into that so we can get more into the details. But uh, yeah, man, I want to be, be respectful of your time. So um, before we get out of here, though, uh, tell us more about anything you have going on and how our listeners can uh, reach out to you. Yeah. I think the best way to get me is either just go straight to my website, festuscapital.com. Lots of resources there. If you want to talk to me directly, you'll, you'll find how to connect to me. Or if you love LinkedIn, it's LinkedIn forward slash Flint Jameson. Awesome, man. We're going to make sure to put that stuff in the, in the show notes. So, uh, Alicia's can reach out Flint. This has been amazing. Uh, love hearing your story. Can't wait to bring you back on to hear, hear more about Bill Durant, man. Yeah. Love to be back. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.